Welcome to Advancing All Women with Sarah Alter, President and CEO of Network of Executive Women. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics for women in the workplace. From advancing women of color, to developing and engaging male allies, to how to navigate the new workplace post-COVID-19. Sarah will cover it all as she and her guests dig into these key issues. Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter. So the year was 1996. And my husband and I had just arrived to London. It um, was his employment or his job with McKinsey that had brought us there as expats. And as I always put it, Uncle McKinsey was fully fitting the bill. And they had assigned us a relocation team to settle us in, to support us. And, And it was like absolutely incredible, the level of support that they provided. They handled the most minute of details. I had just left my consulting role with AT Kearney, and I had a couple of new job leads, but I decided, hey, what what an incredible opportunity to go to a foreign country. And I had hoped, and I guess my intentions were just to enjoy myself and tour. And, you know, Michael was going to be working, and when he was back on the weekends, I would travel with him and, and so on. Okay, the one sad part of it, we did have to leave our cat with friends back in Chicago, as at that point in time in the UK, they still required a year-long quarantine for any pets that had moved there. But beyond that was just thrilled to have this great new adventure in a foreign country. Within 24 hours after landing, my husband left me at the hotel um, where we were staying because he was off to his project in Germany. And thereafter, he was gone every week, you know, all week long. So I was on my own. So that first week, my goal, I'm like, okay, I got to get my body adjusted to the time zone. And most importantly, I had to find a place to live. But easier said than done, because again, thanks to the generous support of the relocation team, I quickly found our new flat within a week and I moved us in. So on my own now, settled into a flat with nothing to fill my days, I thought, okay, let's become a tourist. It was at this point, though, that the loneliness set in. I had no family. I had no friends. And you know what? You can only visit so many museums and drink so many cups of tea, right? (laughs) Um, Thankfully, English was my primary language. So I started to make friends And then I hit that brick wall where I'm like, okay, I need a job. So I ended up taking one of those job opportunities. I worked for Staples and literally it it, it lasted about two weeks. And that was when I ended up taking that job. So just clearly was not meant to be a tourist. (laughs) And I needed that career adventure. And thankfully, you know, I found it. And again, a great way then to really begin to settle into the community and continue to make new and different friends. So when I look back on this experience, I realized, you know, in preparation for this discussion today with these three amazing leaders that you're about to meet, that my husband and I, we were truly blessed in every way. Our tradition was so well-managed and supported, and it was a smooth one. And it was nothing compared to some of the other stories I have been exposed to by other individuals in our new community. And in fact, one of our members sought me out at an event about a year or so back, and she approached me and said, 
I think that new should step into providing guidance and advice to leaders and companies. And hey, how do you encourage um, you know, foreign leaders to come be an expat in the U.S.? In her situation, she and her family had moved from Eastern Europe. And sadly, she said her experience wasn't always a good one. And she said, you, you know, you were just sitting on the stage talking about, you know, how women and diverse leaders don't feel like they belong. She said, that's what I have felt as an expat. Mm-hmm. So planted that seed in my head and my heart. And that's what prompted me to pull together this discussion today. And we all know this, right? A global and diverse leadership perspective can be a tremendous benefit or strength to a company, and particularly when your markets are across the world. So today, you're going to hear from three phenomenal leaders who bravely moved to the U.S., and you're going to hear about their journeys, their highs, their lows, you know, what their learnings and advice is to leaders and organizations who are providing this opportunity to work in a foreign country. You know, how can you best welcome that leader and their family into the corporate organization and into the United States? I'm Sarah Alter. I'm your host of the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast, as well as proudly the CEO and president of the Network of Executive Women. And I am joined by uh, Diana Figueroa, and she is Travel Merchant Business Development Lead for Visa, Bhagya Subaretti, Vice President Business Process Intelligence at SAP, and Young Low Branch, IT professional, Tyson Foods, and founder and president of the Arkansas Association of Asian Businesses. And welcome. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Good morning. Sarah. So, hey, let's let's get started. All right. So, Young, let's start with you. Okay. Um, share with us. We'd love to hear about your personal journey and what brought you to the United States. Yeah. Well, thank you for uh, having me on the show, first and foremost. And uh, I'm saying hello from Northwest Arkansas this morning. Um, The weather is nice and uh, (laughs) wonderful to be with you guys. So um, I was born in China and raised in China. I came to the United States after I studied architecture design and and worked as an architect in Beijing um, and then came to the U.S. for graduate school. So from early on, my parents always encouraged me and told me one day you're going to be studying in America. Check out what (laughs) the U.S. has to offer just for your life experience. So uh, one thing led to another. After my uh, graduate studies, I um, found a job in Arkansas, which I'm very, very uh, grateful. My my husband here. um, And then now I'm working at Tyson full time. Um, I'm operating a nonprofit organization that I founded four years ago, the Arkansas Association of Asian Businesses. And also I'm doing art. I'm an artist and I I do hand drawings of architecture, which goes back to my architecture route and and just provide renderings by hand for people that uh, are in need. And I love too that your your parents 
had already seen that in your journey, right? Their their yes. expectations that this would happen. Yes. And that, I mean, kudos to them, right? For, you know, putting that out there. Um, you 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 mentioned here, and I and I want to just follow up on this real quickly, the the association that you formed. Share with us why you went about founding that association. Yeah, yeah. So um the the, our association is probably the only Asia-focused um, business association in Arkansas. As you know, Arkansas is a smaller state. Um, so why did I found it? So I wanted to share parts of it that's not usually people think of. It's not that I wake up uh, uh, the next day, I wanted to do something great. It was driven by pain. When I was in Arkansas, I was, you know, in, in a opportunity uh, position that I can see the potential that our Asian community can bring to the you know to to yeah. to our state but there hasn't been a opportunity or platform to do so to influence to really uh, do what we can do great so that was painful to me for me to see that and also for myself I didn't you know I came from China I spent 24 years in China I know everything about China has you know, so there wasn't an, an opportunity for me to step up and, and, and help uh, our community to. Yeah. So long story short, that was a pain. I was it was painful. Um, and then so I'm, my husband just said, hey, why don't you if you don't you can't find an opportunity, why don't you create an opportunity on right. your own? So right. that was, you know, I needed someone to nudge me. My my husband is from America, so he's definitely this American thinking uh, person, <laughs> a strong leader uh, in his rights. And and then I was so afraid because in our culture, um, back again to our cultural roots, you're in a traditional culture, women should not be standing out, outspoken right. and be, be, be taking the lead. You're going to get just so become an outcast in your, you know, in your community. So what if I fail? I had never started anything in this new country. So I had that part, but the the pain was so great to to over, um, you know, step the fear. So I went ahead and started it and got great board members on our board. And, and today I'm so grateful. I'm still, you know, um, bringing my community together and creating opportunities for ourselves and, and, and all became leaders. And my employer, Tyson, is so uh, behind my, my journey on that front and they see it as an asset. So I'm today. That's why I'm on this show today. Uh, I, okay. So you are a strong leader. Oh my goodness. The fact that you did that, that that's incredible. We had, um, we had a radio show. It was gosh, how many shows ago, but um, Sue Ann Hong, who is the, the leader of Kapow, which is an amazing group center for Asian Pacific and American women. And mm-hmm. we talked about the history of um, that community in the United States, right? Finding yes. its, its place in communities. And she shared, it was the most shocking thing I'd ever heard, Young. She shared that for, for a long period of time, the, the AANHPI community was called the model minority because okay. they didn't speak up. Right. Because they didn't protest. Because it, it just so, it, it, that it like shocking to right. me. 
that 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 you know sentiment was supported. And I love the very fact that you came into this community and you're like, you know what, this is needed, so I'm gonna do it. So good for you. Why wait on others? Right. Well, you, you just right. go ahead and yeah. step up. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for doing what you've done. Um, Bhagya, I would love to hear about your personal journey now. <laughs> thank you, Sarah. My journey of course, welcome. Is little, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, my journey is a little similar to you. Although um, I'm a master's in electronics and engineering. So I was very driven. Um, one of the three youngest of the three children and my dad grew me up as like a equal to voice at the home. Good. So, As it should be, right? <laughs> As it should be. Um, so when I uh, moved here, I got married and left everything I knew in India, my network, my job, and my family, friends, everything. And I got uprooted into this beautiful country. So I knew I was not going to sit at home because what am I going to do sitting at home? After a month, I was bored. <laughs> there was nothing to do. And I, know, I live right? in Atlanta. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't get anywhere without a car to start with. So I had to get back into the job. And within four months, I found a job and I started working. So for me, um, it was a consulting uh, company that gave me the visa sponsorship. So it was from dependent visa to a working visa. So I went through that navigation. Yeah, And I was in the workforce. And what I realized during my first job was, my market value was far greater than what I was working for. That was a big realization. I think most of us uh, women, we don't see our market worth. I think for me, that was not setting in well for me. So um, I switched my job a year later and I started working for a software company in Atlanta. So that's how my journey started within, within the U.S. And uh, back to Yang's point of community. Community is super important when you first land in the U.S. because. Yeah. Mm-hmm. culturally you have been uprooted so you need a nurturing land where there is some direction support and help for you and I found that within um, my own community Indian community is pretty good in Atlanta so I started bonding with people so we all look for role models what can mm-hmm. be done what mm-hmm. can be accomplished so it was beautiful to see there are so many women in the U.S. that have accomplished in very good positions like Indira Nui, what a phenomenal leader, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's so funny. This is the second time this week. Um, I was at an event yesterday and we started talking about Indra Nui in that context too. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to have her on our podcast, won't we? We should. <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, um, that's really how I always set my uh, goals to look for people. And, and when we're talking about this, including women who are immigrating uh, to the U.S., I think we need to have role models they look like people who look like them in your organization to attract people like them. Yeah. Imagine I speak yeah. four languages and uh, English is, is one of them. And I grew up studying in a, a non-English language. I bring four different perspectives to the table. I love so that. Leaving, right? So leaving yeah. me out doesn't make any sense. So creating an inclusive environment for women is super critical in this world. Um, and I'm super glad that ACP has given me that atmosphere. Um, one of the best organizations is where diversity is just not a number. It creates intentional Absolutely. inclusion, right? Um, whether it is job descriptions, even the hiring process, giving the women not just the ability to talk and prove, 
and gives them a business case to show that they are qualified. I think it's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. No. And and just going to put that out there clearly, all three companies that are represented today by these incredible leaders are partners of new and they absolutely practice what we preach in terms of giving, you know, female leaders every opportunity, you know, to be successful. Um, Diana, last but not least, let's hear about your personal journey. Sure. And thank you for the space to share it and, and to meet Yang and, and, and Bagia has been also great to hear their stories. So similar points, my journey began. So I'm Mexican born and raised. And that's actually how I started my career with Visa. I joined Visa in Mexico City around 10 years ago. And I worked in Mexico City for five years. And through Visa is that I met uh, my now husband. So at the time, my husband, like Yang, my husband is American. And so we met, we did long distance relationship for a little bit. And in any long distance relationship kind of things need to be sped up and you need to define like, are we taking it to the next (laughs) level or are we done? Where's this going? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You need to be very intentional about what you're doing and where you're headed. And so we said, okay, we're going to get engaged and we're going to want to, you know, explore having a life together. But for that to happen, we need to be in the same country. And so I spoke English and he didn't speak any Spanish. So it was clear who was going to make the move. And so I was like, okay, I'll move to the U.S. And when you're in love, things seem very easy. So I was like, sure, let's do this. So we got engaged and we said, okay, I'll move to the U.S. But then I was like, okay, I'm going to move there. And what am I going to do? I'm not going to last five minutes if I don't have anything to make myself feel productive. I'm going to just spend my time missing home. So this is not going to work. So being the planner that I am, I said, okay, this is not going to work. I need to be, make sure that I have a job. And I didn't really want to leave, you know, five years of work that I had put into my visa career, which, you know, sometimes in some other cultures or some other times, it was like, sure, the woman can just leave her career behind and follow, you know, the, the man and in his career and support him in his career. And I was like, well, that's not me. I've put a lot of time and effort into my career. I don't want to just be done with it. So I looked at opportunities uh, for the North American market with Visa. And it was probably the second or third attempt because nothing necessarily comes easy to to Bagia's point. Like the whole Mm -hmm. process is a little bit tricky. And I was willing to take a downgrade as long as I could just keep my job. Mm -hmm. But long story short, I ended up applying for a position that I was um, that I ended up getting. And Visa was certainly instrumental in being behind me to actually be able to make the move because there's so many things that go into it from literally moving your physical stuff from one place to the other. But then once I was in the U.S. to get your life put back together. And it might be a different case when you move with parents and you're still little versus when you move as a full grown adult. I had a license, I had credit scores, I had cards, I had all these other things. And when I came to the US, I had none of that. So having to literally rebuild your life, now I had a job and I had a wonderful fiance, but having to rebuild that 
it, it goes back to the experiences that Yang and Banya share in terms of saying community is important. That feeling of something that's familiar yeah. to you is yeah. important. And sometimes it comes with pain and longing, and but certainly a lot of courage to, to just say, yes, I'm just going to wrap up my life and move somewhere completely different. So it's just... Now that I hear everybody's stories, is like the common factor is just undeniable courage behind it. Absolutely, right? It it it, yeah. You know the it it heard all of you say it. You know those moments of loneliness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know you're sitting in this room in a foreign country and you have no support network around you. Um, And and to your point, that fear, that uncertainty of like, hey, have I just derailed my career? And my life. And we all sound like kindred spirits and that, you know, we have multiple identities to who we are and our careers are one of them, you know, Um, community. Absolutely heard every single one of you say that. Um, What are ways, and and we may have to spill over into post break on this one, because this is going to be a big one to unpack, (laughs) but what are ways that you're, you know, that a company can help build that community for you, right? And then what are ways that maybe you have to do it? Like, you, you know, Young, like, which you just um, shared, Diana, how did Visa help you in terms of building out that new community for you? I think it, it would be a two-part answer. So one part was Visa was very, they, they I think you realize there it's not uncommon that a lot of people move geographies, right? There's that mobility right. opportunity within global, Visa. It's a global brand, yeah. Correct. But in order to do that, you got to put some infrastructure behind that. And so one, very, one thing that could sound very simple, but it's super impactful is I remember when I moved here, I had one week off from work where I was assigned a person that would literally go with me through all the different processes to get a cell phone, to get a credit card, a bank account, my social security number and everything. And in the right order, right? Because I wouldn't know, I would have shown up to get a cell phone. They're like, yeah, we need your social security. And I'd be like, where do I get that? So there was this person that, and it was actually twofolded. It was the retired gentleman that I still think of very fondly, Lou, he was, I remember his name to this day, six years later, and, and he was like an angel because he was like, this is what we want to do. We drove around together and he helped me literally put my life together. So I would have that already in place before I showed up to work day one, which if, in retrospective, had I shown to work day one, it wouldn't have been the same if I didn't have all these things already figured out, the stress And having to figure it out would have certainly taken away from me being able to do my job. So that part was very intentional, something that's in place, but something that I've realized now that was and has been instrumental in giving me that sense of community and belonging is how Visa has different employee resource groups. One of them being a Latin ERG. And I actually currently proudly serve as a global lead for this ERG. And it's been such a wonderful experience to have an employer that makes room for you as a person belonging to a certain community, given your very specific background. And so it's given me the chance to connect with people that give me that sense of community 
and also provided a way for me to feel like I am giving something back to my community. And I know when we spoke before, Yang talked about bringing her community with her and how that's such an important feeling to feel that now that you've had the opportunity to move to the U.S., you're able to use this very privileged position you have to then give back and and Mm kind of help your community up with you. So that's certainly a fantastic uh, way that feeds your soul and, and kind of motivates you to, to do even better so you can share and help others as well. Yeah. So I want to um, kind of break down the, the boundary of community a little bit because in my mind, we sh- I, I, I don't tend to like get fixed by, by you know, whatever title or label you give when you build a community. Right. At the end of the day, I, I think it's really good to have just like a mental community. It doesn't have to be as Asians, as, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right. you know as South right. Americans and all of that. So I think, you know, building a mental community is so important. And each one of us can just be, you know, very um in, in my interest, if I'm drawn to people that have traveled a lot and they're eclectic, they are, yeah. they share everything they do in life yeah. in, in the work environment. So uh, this kind of inclusion um, thing doesn't become a, a big band topic. Okay, here we talk about inclusion. It's about, you know, f- creating a safe environment yeah. to share yeah. all about you and then people are drawn to you from whatever race or background and um, they're drawn to you as a leader yeah yeah and 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 to that point too young it's you know you 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 can find bonds across so many different dimensions absolutely and then and then plus the reality too is you know you've you've probably pursued this adventure and gone mm-hmm. to a foreign country because you, you want to, you know, be exposed to different people, different perspectives, yes. you know? Mm-hmm. It, yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. Um, we are going to take just a quick commercial break. Um, but when we get back, um, we'll talk more about, okay, what are some of these great best practices that, you know, leaders and organizations can provide to really welcome, you know, these phenomenal expat leaders and their families in, but then also dive into some of the biases so that we can avoid them. Like, let's Mm -hmm. make sure that this does not happen. Um, I want to thank everybody who's been listening in so far to our Advancing All Women podcast. You can always find us at newonline.org for more information on new and all of our podcasts. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Network of Executive Women is a nonprofit dedicated to advancing all women and transforming our workplaces through the power of community. We are a growing community of more than 13,500 professional women and men, representing nearly 900 organizations across North America. We are a strong, collective voice for everyone in the corporate world who wants to see gender equality become a reality, and we welcome all who champion our cause. Members of NEW gain access to a broad network of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development. 
Corporate organizations also gain access to DEI solutions, which fosters a more inclusive and productive work culture. Plus, members can engage across news 22 regional communities and attend two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI and leadership. Join Network of Executive Women today. Visit newonline.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member of NEW. That's newonline.org slash membership. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear. And listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Network of Executive Women? Visit our website today at newonline.org. That's newonline.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Sarah Alter in the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. And I am joined today by the incredible lineup of Diana Figueroa, travel merchant, business development lead at Visa, Bagya Subaretti, vice president, business process intelligence, SAP, and Young Low Branch, IT professional at Tyson Foods, and founder and president of the Arkansas Association of Asian Businesses. And today what we're talking about is how can leaders and companies better support their expat leaders when they join their teams in the United States. So we're gonna we're gonna lead this this next segment off Bagya. I'd love to hear your thoughts. We you know, kind of left just before the break, we were talking about, okay, the importance of community and how when you pick up your roots and you move to a foreign country, you've got to rebuild that community. And so mm-hmm. leaders and companies, how can they help you go about doing that? Absolutely. And and I've been in the U.S. for the past 22 years, Sarah. So I've, yeah. I've had my yeah. growth as a leader. So I started, um, I remember I go back to my early days in the organization in US, 
um, it kind of had to reflect back on uh, me as a young mom. Um, so as, like I mentioned, I started working in this country four months after I landed here. And uh, I had a baby about four years after that. So when I had the baby, I was not prepared with all this daycare culture in the U.S., yeah, the support yeah. system. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. This is a problem for everybody. But with the immigrant women, we have no family here. Yeah. Right. So all my friends were friends at work. <laughs> I worked for a software company. So um, I was bumped into a situation of um, leaving my child, going back to work, and he was two months old. Um, it was the most difficult decision I had to make. And uh, I, my parents were going back to India and I had for a short mm-hmm. period of time no health care mm-hmm. or support for my child. So I had to go back to work and have a conversation with my manager and say, look, I can't do this. I need some support. I need some help to work from home. Um, so he gave me an option. You can actually bag yeah, Look, there is an easy job here. Take this easy job, easy job, right? Customer support. And I was a developer and I was passionate about my job. I said, no, look, either you would allow me to work from home or I quit. It's very That's simple. Good for you. Yes, yeah. and I and I and I tell this to women. Um, that I've got a few mentees that I support, and I tell them, "Don't quit before you quit." There is always an opportunity to negotiate, and there are certain fine lines between family and work. It's a yeah. integration always. So this was many years ago, seventeen years ago. It was a small baby, and uh, my manager said, "Bagya, don't do. You are very valuable," and I was very valuable. I knew my worth. Um, so my manager mm-hmm. said, no, I'm going to talk to my manager and I'll tell you. And he came back and said, no, you can work from home. So I worked from home for four months after that. So so for me, the point was my manager, although he gave me options, he was considerate. He still gave me an opportunity to work from home. And I also I remember, Diana, when you said you had to take a step back to get into the workforce in the U.S., same thing with me, right? My market value was low when I accepted the first job in the U.S. I think all of us immigrant women experience that there are times when we negotiate ourselves back. And and I also yeah. uh, encourage yeah. managers, don't do that. <laughs> you know, yeah. give them equal yeah. opportunity. So I think for me, that was my experience in the early days as a young mother, uh, managers accommodating a flexible schedule that kept me in the workforce. A lot of women, especially because of the COVID, people are dropping out of the workforce because it's very hard. And I, as a mother who worked with a small baby at home, I know this well. So please be considerate, accommodate so that they stay in the workforce. Um, so that was for me very important um, as an immigrant mother in this country. And then as I progressed in my career, I think as you become a leader, it's a different kind of the ball game. Because see, when you're a leader, leader has no race, gender, culture, none of it. It is leadership what matters. But you need a different type of skill based on, especially if you're migrating from India to US or China to US, leadership has nuances and changes that you need to incorporate. So you as a individual women, you have to yeah. be open to changes. You have to open to learning. You have to unlearn things to learn mm-hmm. new way of doing business. Because every aspect of selling, negotiations, customer service, whatever it may be, is new and be humble. 
And um, I have had very difficult learnings as well because I had a thick accent when I came into this country, right? So when I, over my course of my journey, yeah, I became yeah. a customer-facing role. And 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 I and I know we talked about this too in our in our yeah. initial conversation where where we all got to meet each other that sadly there is bias yes. against the accent despite the fact that you speak four languages. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. and um, for me it was an awakening. It, the way the feedback was given to me was very me. It was very hurtful. Yeah, but. I had to look beyond it. If one person feels that way with me, that means I'm not effective in front of people who will not give me feedback. Because most of the time, I'm having conversations with customers in one hour and then I walk away. I may never see them again. So I took it as a feedback that was meaningful to me. And I started recording my voice and playing back. It was painful. (laughs) It was painful. But I learned to slow down and then listen more actively to answer. So I think those are all the things that I learned to make myself better, acclimate myself better in the world. Um, and also SCP has given so many learning opportunities, whether it is network of executive women that I participate and learn change management, yeah. negotiation, you know, selling and um, so all these um, assertive conversations, executive presence, all these learnings, I constantly learn the things that I have blind spots on. So that makes me a better person and a leader um, when I'm speaking to people. So I think those are all uh, the yeah. lessons that I've learned. Yeah. I'm sure there's more that I'd love to learn from Diana and Yang as well. Yeah, Diana, I know you had some thoughts on this communication in general, right? Yeah, I I really like the fact that you touched on that, Bagia, because it's not necessarily something I I, it's something that I can relate to, but look at it a little bit from the outside because I haven't had a problem with a thick accent. But to your point, and even if you speak four languages, you can understand how, you know, things are getting mixed up up here because you have different phonetics, different rules. So somebody that speaks two, three, four languages, like literally it's a, it's an, an art to, to focus in one single language and, and don't mix them and whatnot. And so mm-hmm. I didn't have the accent, but I, I've seen this over and over where people fixate on the accent and can't look past it. Mm-hmm. And, and provide you to your point feedback that might not be right feedback. Like you yeah. might have a thick accent, but you're still using the words correctly in the mm-hmm. grammatically correct order and you are conveying a message. So the accent's right. really not right. interfering with the communication. Now, granted, sometimes you might have some opportunities around communication like we all do. I know that because I'm constantly operating on my second language, I'm not as fluent as I am, for example, in Spanish because I have to be very mindful of the words I'm using, what I want to say, what's the exact word for that. So there's, but the great news, like Bagia said, like most of us are people that are willing to receive the feedback as long as it's constructive and work towards it. Just like mm-hmm. Bagia, like taped herself and listened to herself and try to slow down the pace. Like I've taken communication and speaking in public courses as well, where they teach you it's okay to pause. So it's just a matter of differentiating. Are you having a problem just because the accent is not familiar 
or is there an underlying communication issue? And separating the two and addressing and improving whatever needs to be improved. But don't let the accent just shut you down and say like, oh, no accent, not good communication here. Mm-hmm. That And that is clearly where, where yeah. curiosity should be triggered, not judgment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And true inclusion. It's right. giving the opportunity, right. the chance, opening it up and saying what needs work would be work done, but you're actually open to it. Young, you were, you were just going to say something. Sorry about that. Oh, no, no, no. I, I really enjoy listening to both ladies um, on, you know, I'm, I'm a big reflective person myself. If I can do something better, there's no reason to not improve right. it. So, exactly. Bagyao, kudos right. to you. And I'm with uh, Diana that when it's really pronounced with people among us because so many things are so nuanced, culture, language, mm-hmm. when you speak a different culture, uh, language, you actually think differently. Mm-hmm. You're, 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 so, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just so soaking in everything you guys are saying. Um, and uh, just tapping on you guys talking about, you know, bias, communication, uh, reflection. I have just one quick uh, point to make. So I have a sociology background. I, I have a master's in sociology. So I really love, you know, Watching people, watching organizations from individual level to, you know, behavioral organization, uh, things like that. So I, um, I I think, you know, communication is so key of make, getting people to work great together. So I think one thing that I challenge our own community, people with my similar background, a bias we may have towards ourselves is, you know, to Sarah's point earlier, how come Asians are so quiet? Do you think, right? So it's, it's um, I'm all about taking your own responsibility. Can we do better? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. why do we have this self-image that we have to be this so hardworking, um, you know, a segment yeah. of the society? Yeah. And when it comes to speaking up, when it comes to networking, how come you are not there? So I, I think, you know, America is such great land for opportunities. We just need to step up as a community. I challenge my community. We have a community, you know, called WeChat. It's a, a social network in the Chinese community. It's like Facebook Messenger. I have, you know, over five. You know, I have five hundred people in there daily. We interact. I share my career sure. thoughts, and you know the. The max is 500. If I, I, you know, if we have a bigger max, we may have more people. But, you know, I challenge them. Self-promotion, selling to your point, um, Sarah, it's the biggest skill you can benefit from, right? Right. And networking. Don't stay in your comfort zone. Go out, meet people. Let people know you exist, what skills you can bring. It's benefit to them. So don't feel, you know, um, one of the best feedback I got early in my career is get some thick skin. So I I cannot, you know, get in my own way of just feeling so embarrassed, vulnerable, not reaching out. So, yeah. Uh, So I think before we say other people have bias, against us we let's check if we have bias against ourselves and Mm -hmm. i think what's so key young i love what you just said um i think what's so key is um you know one we we are all a product of our upbringing right and of our culture 
But but the ideal situation is where when I go to work for a company, I can make the choice to change myself. I'm not forced to, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't have to leave my cultural identity at the doorstep or, you know, as, 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 as a female, you know, if I prefer to be more quiet or I prefer to be, you know, more nice and kind, I can be, and that won't be discounted. And, um, and that's what I'm hearing you say as well, in terms of all the richness of experiences that you're bringing from the countries where you were born. It's like organizations need to make sure they don't ever make you choose. Like you, they should be embracing that and celebrating that and leveraging that. And like, hey, the same can be said for women in general and just for, you know, diverse leaders and, and whatnot. Um, and that thick skin, you're so right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we need that. That's for darn sure. Um, let's do this then. I'd, I'd love to. We're, we're all about like, hey, when somebody's listened to one of our shows, they walk away with like two or three things like, oh, yep, we should be doing that. Or, oh, yes, we did that. Good. Check. You know, <laughs> success. So can we leave our, our listeners with a couple of, of, of best practices or, or suggestions for, you know, one, how do you make sure you're encouraging this global opportunity across the board, right? Let's assume that's a given. But when that does happen, um, what should leaders be mindful of? Like what, what should they be doing as they welcome this great new leader in their family? And, you know, what are a couple of key things they could do? So Deanna, can I start with you? Sure. I think one important thing, and, and this would apply not only to people immigrating from different countries, coming from different cultural backgrounds, just treat that person like a person. Like Yang mentioned, there's so many nuances to us. And and you said, Sarah, yourself, like we have so many dimensions as people. Like Yang, she's an architect and she's in IT and she has a a non-for-profit. Like there are so many aspects to you as a person that you cannot say, okay, just expats here and this is how they get treated. It's looking at the nuances of that person. And it's just about leading with that empathy and that consideration like Bagia said like it's different when she got here versus when she had a baby she had different needs at her job even though she had been performing so wonderfully things Mm -hmm. change because humans grow and change so recognize that and and follow that principle of okay what do you need what works for you I think that's important no matter if you're you know born and raised in America as a person you're going to need different accommodations and try to allow for those in, in the workplace. So recognize those differences with expats. It's not the same as somebody that came in here as a, as a boy or a girl versus somebody that's a full-grown adult. If somebody's right. married to an American or like Bagia, you're married with, uh, with somebody within your same culture yet in a different country. So recognize mm-hmm. those differences and, and, and lead with that empathy. And also to be truly inclusive, I, I would recommend especially corporations, to shy away from saying, okay, there's a next percentage of Latinos or Asians in our community, so our company has to have that percentage. And as long as I hit that percentage, I can check the box and be done with it. It's not about that. It's Mm -hmm. just about removing any barriers, any obstacles that would hinder people from accessing certain opportunities. 
just make sure that the playing field is leveled for everybody. Everybody has a fair yeah. chance. Like we said, get rid of your bias of, oh, you have an accent. People are not going to understand you. Just make sure everybody has a, their right, fair chance at an opportunity. And, and that's really being inclusive and, and welcoming mm-hmm. diversity. Absolutely. Um, Bagya, quick yeah. thoughts from you. I mean, so wonderfully said, Diana. I think for me, um, opportunity and inclusion are two important aspects for organizations and leaders. If you're a leader and listening to this, take a look at your team. Do you have the representation? Do you have the representation? Doesn't matter what role it is, whether it is the sales, the development. Absolutely. Right? So because yep. we get pegged into roles. Yeah, I still get developer roles, by the way. Today, <laughs> I get a C++ role. So, <laughs> so don't peg people to your mindset of this is where Indians belong, this is where Chinese are, this is where Latinos are. Don't. Take your bias out. Evaluate the individuals the who, who they are. Yeah. What are their accomplishments? Can they do this job right? That's one. And give the opportunity. If you don't have women historically in pre-sales organization, bring that Indian woman and mm-hmm. see what you can do. There are so many. When I joined, there were 700 yeah. people. I was the only Indian woman in the pre-sales organization. But now it's grown. So people become role models. Everybody in the community now starts thinking, oh, if she could become that, maybe I can also pursue that path. Absolutely. So it gives opportunity or opening doors. So for me, give opportunity and don't just do it just because of diversity. I bring broad Bhagya on board because I have an Indian person in my team. No, give her the opportunity mm-hmm. to excel. And sometimes you have to accommodate them because they're not in the network, in the WhatsApp groups, private groups. They're not part of it sometimes. (laughs) Include them. Maybe they'll bring chicken tikka masala for your party. (laughs) (laughs) Yum. Yum, right? So that's what culture and diversity brings. That's yum. So it's yum for your organization. So keep those things in mind. Absolutely. And yum. Last parting thoughts. Yes. Um, So I think just one for leaders is, you know, loosen up. Loosen up as Mm -hmm. a person, lead as a real person. Mm -hmm. That's something I see American culture is different from my background. You know, I have a great analogy. I tell everyone that I encounter in the Chinese culture, you eat, you use a pair of chopsticks to eat everything, noodles, porridge, soup, rice, meat, whatever. So, but in American culture, you have different sizes of knives, different sizes of spoons, <laughs> this, that, that, different so shapes of knives. That's, that's actually how we think differently. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in American culture, I can see how so leaders, true. wonderful people, so interesting people in every way, but when they come into work, they feel like they have to be this shape of knife or this shape of fork. So that actually is not very productive, I think, in today in today's society. From my one good advantage so that true. I bring in my culture, I come as a chopstick. I can do, you know, different things, show different sides of myself. It's it comes natural. So I challenge our leaders to be a so flexible chopsticks, a, a good pair of chopsticks. And you know, once you become a real person, people see you as that real person. So 
charismatic and and then uh, you know uh, people can approach you you don't have to be a world traveler to be a great leader you can just be uh, yourself mm-hmm. for them that's my first uh, thought for leaders and secondly to um the honest um, point on level field i think one great thing our tyson does is we have our five c's it's building our goals that's the requirement for all of our team members so i think yeah. so I'll, I'll, I'll tell what the five c's are they're caring candor creativity collaboration and commitment mm-hmm. so these bring our 140,000 team members around the world to to a level field that's however you want yeah. to express your five yeah. c's it's yeah. it's full diversity in there already you don't have to be a woman of color okay you're a diversity it's it's a level so, field for yeah. all diversity in all expressions and then lastly um i challenge all each individual of us we're all we can all leaders and just celebrate your community wherever you are i mean arkansas today i'm proud of arkansas and i i want to do the best wherever i am i can live anywhere in the world and but i I don't want to be like i'm i'm identity list i'm in arkansas i'm gonna make the best i can do in arkansas and uh, uh, thank you. Thank you, all three of you, for joining me today and, and for sharing your stories. And I know everybody who listened in is going to walk away with just these great new perspectives. Thanks to all of you. And, um, you know, I want to thank everybody else who's listened in, our, our incredible audience. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and Voice America, um, thank you for always giving me and knew that opportunity to share our voice and our incredible community and mission with all of you. All right, so next week's special show, we're going to talk about that pivotal leadership skill, negotiating and selling. And I have a special guest, my husband, who is a professor at U of Chicago Booth, entrepreneurial selling. He's going to join us with a couple of our great leaders. So to learn more about new and listen to all of our podcasts, check us out at newonline.org. And hey, we are also looking for new corporate sponsors for our show. So if you're interested, reach out at connect at newonline.org. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Until we talk again, enjoy your week.